You are listening to the Galena Missions Podcast, the preaching ministry of Galena Bible Church. Follow along as we study God's Word together. That was actually the first uh, object lesson for this uh, Bible scripture we will read today. Uh, We will go to the book of Hebrews. We're in this series of, uh, we have four words. Does anyone remember those four words? Chris already was covering the the first two ones. Who remembers? Anyone? Chris talked about come, share, and today we like to talk about growth. And we will go to the book of Hebrews, that's in the New Testament, if you like to go there. Uh, Some people use this book as an excuse to drink coffee. They say this uh, this is evidence that Christians can drink coffee, right, because Hebrews um, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, it just says that he brews. It doesn't mean that he's also drinking. Maybe he's just <laughs> brewing for his wife. Um, besides that, you can brew a lot of other things as well, right? <laughs> and that would not fit. But that's where we are. Um, as a family, um, we have little, little flashcards. And for, for each book of the Bible, we have a keyword. So for the book of Hebrews, the kids would, my kids would tell you, the key word for the book of Hebrews is from milk to meat. Because the, the author of this book, he was dealing with some believers. They already followed Jesus Christ, but then somehow they kind of got turned back. We heard about persecution uh, this morning during the prayer request time. And that was the, the time there as well. There, were, there was some persecution. Um, Jewish the Jewish society tried to, to persecute them and they were thinking like, oh man, this is really tough and maybe we should go back. But then the author of Hebrews says, hey, no. No, you need to mature. You need to go from milk to meat. And that's, uh, you will see that in the few verses we will read today. So let's go to Hebrews uh, chapter 12 and we will read the first 12 chapters. Uh, By the way, while you're looking for the book of Hebrews, do we have any runners here among us? Any runners? Raise raise your hand. Okay. Jogger. (laughs) Jogger, okay. That counts. Okay, so my my neighbors in the back, uh, Scarlett Lynn, yeah. If if you wouldn't be bound to a cast, yeah, Scott would run like intensely. Um, Then, of course, we have the Galena runners, right? We have Preston, Clint, Finn. Um, Kaden, yeah, who else raised their hand? Anyone else? Uh, Ruth, yeah, yeah, Ed. Ross, what's going on? I've seen you running at the egg fair. Okay, yeah, you can raise your hand, that's fine. Uh, Derek, please raise your hand. Yes, yeah. The No, Derek is a runner. Uh, you, I mean, really, he is a runner. Uh, Miss Margaret? Would you please raise your hand? Would you please raise your hand? Yeah, because Miss Margaret is a runner too. I know you might not see it, but she definitely is a runner. In fact, could please everyone raise their hand? That's what it should supposed to be. 
according to Hebrews, what we're reading right now. We're talking about runners, but of course Hebrews is not talking about those athlete runners. And they're not talking about Usain Bolt or Michael Johnson. We're talking about different runners. And you will see in a second here that we all should be runners. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are encompassed with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and your hearts give up. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed while striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation addressed to you as sons. My son, do not despise the discipline from the Lord, nor grow weary when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves he dis disciplines and scorches every son who he receives. Endure discipline. God is dealing with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not discipline? If you are without discipline, of which everyone has partaken, then you are leg illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers, and they corrected us, and we gave them reference. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and, li and live? For they indeed disciplined us for a short time according to their own judgment, but he does, not so, but he does so for our profit, that we may partake of his holiness. Now no discipline seems to be joyful at the time, but grievous. Yet afterward it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness in those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift up your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Sometimes little tiny words are really important, right? I often told you that but would be a, uh, uh, this little tiny word that is kind of important, you know, when your honey comes to you and says, Hey honey, I love you, but... Okay, forget the I love you, right? After the but comes the most important, this is what she likes to tell you. And in this, uh, in Hebrew 12, the first word is also kind of, not a key word, but a really important word. It says, therefore, which kind of hints us, oh, what it, therefore, it's connected to something else. So it urges us to go to chapter, the chapter before, that is chapter 11, and you might have known it before, this is the chapter of faith. There are almost or over 20 people mentioned from the Old Testament, uh, and we should look to those. That's the, the word. Therefore, since we are encompassed with such a great cloud of witnesses. And the chapter uh, 11 before talks about those witnesses. At Kids Club, for example, right now, we're talking about Abraham. He's also mentioned in this chapter before, uh, besides Abel and Enoch and Noah and Sarah and Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, lots of those, you know, those, those faith heroes from, from the Old Testament. And Abraham is mentioned there as well. 
the one who was living in Chaldea, and at, at some point in time, God talked to him and said, Hey, Abram, get out of here. So, what is he doing? Yep, he's doing that. He's packing up his whole family and moves away. But then gets stuck in Haran, right? And then God needs to talk with him again. Say, hey, Abram, let's go to Canaan. And he continues as a foreigner in a different country. He might have had a, a decent job, but then God calls him out. And then you know that <clears throat> other story when he finally gets a son. We're not there at Kids Club yet, but he finally gets his own son. And then God tells him, hey, sacrifice your son. Your own son. I mean, that is ridiculous, right? This is just crazy. But God is asking him because he wants to see if he really trusts him. So we have all those faith heroes and it's like, wow, it may, I mean, talking about Joseph, we could talk about Joseph like for half a year, right? What he endured and how he, uh, how strong his faith was. Um, and that is encouraging that we know there are people, there are believers before us who already endured, who already, already believed, and we have amazing stories. But other things at the same time that are also really encouraging, like, do you know all the stories where Abraham messed up too? When he would walk through Egypt, and he had a beautiful wife, and he was kind of scared, and he thought, well, um, if someone is asking Sarah, I just, just tell him that you're my sister. Which was correct, right? Uh, he was, uh, she was uh, his half-sister, but she was not just sister. He also was married to her, and then big time, very messy. What's another story Abram is messing up? I mean, you just think about. Um, so that's also encouraging because I see like, mm, okay, they messed up, but they still continued working with the Lord, right? So also in my life, I don't like to mess up, but I mean, honestly, what's the reality? Sometimes we really mess up. So we have all those, those cool people, but then actually when you come at the end of chapter 11, it kind of gets horrific. You know, I mean, before you have all those heroes and what kind of cool stuff they did and how strong their faith was, but then I start reading at 35. Others were tortured and did not accept the deliverance so that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockering and scorching and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered around in sheepskins and goatskins while destitute, afflicted, and tormented. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. These all have obtained a good report through faith, but they did not receive the promise. For God provided something better for us, so that with us, they would be made perfect. Remember Abraham. God told him, I will bring you into the promised land, right? This land will belong to you. Did Abraham ever see that actually? No, he did not. But he believed that promise. Um, 
at some point God is appearing to him and saying, hey, uh, let, let you know, your people, they will go into bondage. They will be gone for 400 years, but then they will come back. Abram did not turn 400. So, yeah, indeed, he did not see it, but he trusted in him. So some things, those faith heroes in the Old Testament, uh, the Hebrew writer is telling us, it's not complete. Well, what is not complete? Well, they have a different perspective. We see hints of the Messiah showing up in the Old Testament all over the place, right? Starts in Genesis. But they actually, I mean, it, it never was, oh yeah, Jesus, the Messiah will come, you know, and he will be crucified. And they didn't know all the details. They knew that there will be a Messiah coming and rescuing them. But they didn't know how this plays out in detail. Now, looking at, looking at us, we just look back and we see how everything planned out. And we see the hints in the Old Testament and say, oh sure, of course, there was no other way. Well, for us it's too easy right now, right? But it also says, um, I'll read 39 again, these all have obtained a good report through faith, but they did not receive the promise. For God provided something better for us, so that we, with us, they would made perfect. This, this cloud of witnesses is actually, it's mentioned in the last book of the Bible in Revelation. Let's go to Revelation 6.10. We, we, I just read those horrific things when believers basically die for him, for their belief. And you could say, in a sense, this crowd of, of faith hearers, they're waiting for something. Let's read Revelation 6, starting at 10. They cried out with a loud voice, How long, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. Those are the, the martyrs who are talking to God saying, Hey, we, we got martyred. When, when, when is the final justice there? Then a white rope was given to each of them, and they were told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and brothers should be completed, who would be killed as they were. So basically this, the, the, this, this, uh, this cloud of witnesses, they're kind of waiting. God is telling them, hey, yes, you will be free, but you have to wait till the number is full. We need more martyrs dying for me. It's kind of shocking. It really is kind of shocking. But that's what's going on here. So therefore, since we are encompassed with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that though easily entangles us. Remember when I was kind of pretend falling on stage? That's the same with sin, right? Sometimes we just walk around and then sin entangles us and we just fall. And my Bible was kicked out of the hand and suddenly it was far away. That same thing like sin is doing. It tries to get me away from the Word of God. I need a volunteer. Uh, I need some uh, Gilina racers here. Who likes to be a volunteer? I have another example here. Clint, you're looking at me? All right, good job. Give Clint a hand. Yep. 
<laughs> if you could st stand right there, um, just turn around. Clint, tell us, um, you, you, did you run a 5K yet? Yes. Okay, well, what's your best time? Okay, that's that's not too bad for your age. So I think there's great hope in you. So um, <laughs> when you run a 5K, what what is like? You start in Galena and then you fly to Fairbanks or Anchorage or wherever. wherever. What is changing when you actually show up at the track? What do you need to get prepared for the race? Can you tell us that? Uh, stretching and warming up your muscles. Okay, so you're stretching, you're warming up your, your muscles. Do you change your outfit a little bit? Mm -hmm. what, what would you change when you run a 5K? Uh, put on spikes and uniform. Okay, put on spikes so you have a better grip. Yeah, okay. Um, how about taking this? Imagine you run a 5K and this is not for drinking, it's just a weight. How cool would that be, running a 5K with lots of weight on it? It would be miserable. It would be miserable, right? That's it. I and mean, it would be stupid, you know? I mean, of course, you're bringing your water bottle to town, right? But when it's time to race, you know, taking your water jug and just run the 5K with a water jug, it would just be like, I mean, it's a no-brainer, right? Of course, that's it. Thank you so much. It is a no-brainer. Of course, you take away all the weight that, that drags you down. And it's the same spiritually. We see here, again I read it, Therefore, since we are encompassed with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. Let us put away all those things that slow us down. Maybe there was something in Abram's uh, um, hometown that, that kind of dragged him down. And God said, hey, just go somewhere else. And he left everything else. So get away from, from things that kind of hinder you to, to run this race. Like a racer wouldn't run with his uh, one-gallon jug. It would just slow him down. So what are those things in your life? It might not be sin because that's, that's mentioned later on. And it might be good things. Um, whatever it is. For... for uh, for road people, like a snow machine, for example, often is like just an expensive toy, right? Well, it can be an expensive toy out here in Ipswich too, for sure. But you also could use it for, for God's glory and, and visiting people. I mean, it all depends. I mean, everything you have in your life could slow you down or it could help you. And I don't know what those things are in your life. Um, man, true, we should, certainly we're happy about this uh, this uh, rummage sale the Hunts put up, I mean, this triggered something in our family. It's like, okay, let's get rid of stuff. And you kind of feel like, oh man, we're lightening up. This is cool. I mean, that, I don't know what is again. What is in your life that might slow you down and you might have to think, hmm, let's get rid of it. I don't need it. And then, oh, I think I had some, some points here in case writing with me. <clears throat> so we like to get rid of those those things that weigh us down. But then also it says, and we also like to let go sin that entangles us. That's not really helpful. Let's go away. Let me see where we are here. 
Another thing that we see here in, in Hebrew 12, it's another let us, and that is let us run with endurance. We know that this is not a sprint, right? We know this, this life is a marathon. And it's not just going for a few hours, it goes your whole life. This is, this is the illustration um, that the writer here is using. And running, sports, that, that's a thing that's going on for a long time. Even in that, in that Greek culture, that's the picture he's using here, right? It's running. It's the runner. And you could see this, this cloud of witnesses. You, you see a big arena, like uh, when they have an Olympic event, you know, they, everyone is watching um, <coughs> the runners. And uh, this is the picture right here. And all those runners, they need to have a lot of endurance, right? Like crazy. And they have to practice for it. So we need to run. And of course, it cheers you on when you go over the finish line and when you have other um, spectators and say, yeah, go, go, and kick it, right? I mean, this, this is encouraging. But the writer of Hebrews here also tells us, there's another thing we should do. Let us look to Jesus. Why would I look to Jesus on a race, in this life race? Well, I tell you what. We all know that Jesus, he himself did the race, right? He ran it. And it's not just that. It also tells us he is the author of this race. He's the finisher. He started this, and he also will finish it. Because this race we're on, this life race, is so hard, it will kill you. It will kill you. And the only way to survive this race is that Jesus ran the race before you. He ran the race before you. And he gave his life, right? But I mean, what's, what's the, I mean, there are people in this world who are giving their lives for, other, for others, right? Let's, uh, the last... Um, thing I had in my mind when the US troops and other troops went out of Afghanistan at the la very last few days, there was a suicide bomber, right? And um, a bunch of soldiers just died. They gave their lives for other people. I mean, they sacrificed their life. What is the difference between those people who gave their lives and Jesus? What's the, what's the big difference? Well, if I die for someone else, it might show a great deal of service or a great deal of love, but it's not really changing a thing in the other person's life. When Jesus, on the other hand, died for us, the difference is that he lived a life without sin, right? I mean, we know why Jesus came into this world he died for us on the cross to take over our sins. John will tell us that he came into this world to testify the truth. That's actually the first um, memory verse for the, for the small group we will have on, on Wednesday. 
why he came into this world to testify the truth. And he died on the cross. But the reason why it made a difference for us that he died on the cross is he never sinned for 33 years roughly. He never sinned, right? I mean, yes, he testified the truth. He, uh, he explained God's word. He healed people. He finally died on the cross. But the reason it made really a difference is because he was able to just stay away from sin for 33 years. I mean, can you imagine all the temptations you're enduring? Like every single day, there are temptations, right? And Jesus had exactly the same temptations like you have for 33 years. And he would not give in. That is the difference. He did not give in. He was the one who died for you on the cross. And then you might wonder, Martin, what are you talking about? <clears throat> you were supposed to talk about growth, right? If you look here, I think there's, it shows up one time, the word growth. Well, <clears throat> bear with me, we're getting there. Now the author is using an example, verse 4. And again, the, the people who were reading this, they were kind of afraid of persecution. Kind of, mm, should we go back to to our Jewish culture, to our Jewish beliefs. But then he's saying, no. I mean, look at Jesus. He was the one, I mean, he was not afraid of, of being killed. And then he's using this, this example. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed while striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation addressed to you as sons. And then he's using this picture like a good father would discipline his kids. Well, not everyone has that perspective those days anymore, but uh, this is a good thing to discipline your kids. And there's a huge difference between abusing your kid and disciplining your kid, right? And, and, and he's using the, this picture and it completely makes sense. Like imagine it's Saturday morning and Weather was just crappy for weeks. It was rainy and it was cloudy, but finally, Saturday morning, sun is shining, it's somewhat warm, and the kids are so excited. You, you guys know what the, what the, the, um, the favorite word is for, from my two and a half year old? His favorite word is outside. <laughs> outside. So it's set in the morning, it's sunny, and Levi's getting dressed. Who cares that the socks don't match? He's getting dressed, and he's working his way down the stairs and trying not to get over, knocked over by the dogs, and the tails hit his face, but he manages to go down there, and he swings on his balance bike, and <clears throat> he goes out on the road. You know, everything is just perfect till he hears the voice of his parents. Levi, stop! And you can just see it in his face, you know, like, everything was so perfect, everything is so awesome. Life really sucks, you know? Why can't I just go out with my balance bike, everything is perfect, and then the parents show up. 
well, we all know better that the parents have good intentions, right? I'm telling my son Levi, hey, stop, this is dangerous. I care for you. I like to, for, for you to be safe. I love you. And that's the reason why I'm disciplining you, saying, hey, stop, no, don't go further. It's a no-brainer for us, right? We, we know it. And the same principle goes over into the spiritual world. Often God is disciplining us. And what's our reaction? Oh, God! Instead of seeing, hey, He is the one who created you. He is the one who knows you better than you know yourselves. Just trust and obey. When we're just seeing that, trust and obey. I mean, things are so simple. And shoot, on the other hand, it's so hard. He is the one. Do you think uh, Jesus was disciplined by his father? I mean, he certainly was in contact with him the whole time. Again, if, if you read the gospel and just look for that, what's the connection between the father and the son? You will see it all the time. He gets up very early in the morning and has father-son time. All the time. We get disciplined. Have you ever noticed that there's a similarity between the words disciple and discipline? Well, of course. It has the same root word in Latin. It's the same root word. It means student or pupil. And when you get disciplined, that means that someone is teaching you something. And when you are a disciple, that was a, a normal thing in the Jewish culture, culture in the Old Testament, that you would become a disciple from someone else. So there was, a, there was a great teacher, and then students who wanted to learn more about God's word, the Torah, they would just, oh, hey, there's a teacher, and they would just follow him, and that teacher would teach them. And Jesus did not event discipleship. There was even a thing before. The Pharisees, they had disciples. John the Baptist, you might remember, he had disciples. So Jesus was just part of this culture, and he also had disciples. He would go out to people, hey, uh, come follow me. And what would those disciples do? They would learn. Their job was to learn from that teacher. For the 12 disciples, it was roughly three years. And then their job was to continue this teaching. That's what we see here. And this is, and this is where, this is where the, the circle closes. That's how we grow. When we get disciplined by God. I mean, think about your life often. When is, well, what's the best learning opportunity? Often it's like the hardships in your life. Not when everything is just super awesome, but when you have a tough time. And maybe it is discipline. And again, back to the picture of two-and-a-half-year-old Levi going out uh, into the driveway, and he just doesn't care. He's just going over the road. He doesn't care about cars and whatnot. What would, be, what would a loving father do? Why well, He's doing exactly that. He's saying, Levi, stop! 
if I wouldn't care, I wouldn't say anything. Yeah, just let him have him fun. And maybe he's just getting run over. That wouldn't, that wouldn't show love. Not at all. If we're not getting disciplined in our lives by God, hmm, you'll wonder why. I mean, this is basically this is a good sign, right? We like to be disciples. We like to follow Jesus Christ. And if we get disciplined, that's fine too. We like to learn. We like to grow. How can a how can a flower grow? I mean, no flowers out there right now, but we're just waiting for the springtime, right? How can a flower grow? It needs to be part of the root system. That's what I was talking about a few weeks back when we talked about John 15. Remember that? I am the vine, you are the branches. And the only way to grow is to stay close to the Father. How can we, how can we look at Jesus? Well, right here. I mean, we talk to God all the time, right? It's called prayer. I hear this in this community all the time. Let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. This is when we talk. But also, it needs to be a balance. Let God talk too. And just grab His Word and just read. And then trust and obey. And some things, yeah, you... Again, think about Abram. And God tells him, sacrifice your son. That doesn't make sense. And he still trusts the Lord. And then he finds a way out. He <clears throat> finds a way out. We need to emerge in God's word. I read a study that, um, you know, people like to get more muscles, or like to get prepared for whatever. And they were saying, even though those people don't do anything, and they're just reading magazines and see... Uh, People with good muscles and whatnot, the muscle growth uh, goes up 15%. They're not doing anything, you know, they're not pushing whatever, but it also already affects their lives. Let's say when we read the word, you know, it will affect your life when you read God's word. That's what we need to do. At the very end, it says in verse 12, Therefore lift up your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. It's, it still stays in this running picture here. Uh, let's do a, a quick exercise. Okay, everyone just stand up where you are. Just stand up. So <coughs> lift up your tired hands and then strengthen your weak knees. Let's see how, how good you are. Um, <laughs> So this is my chair, so let's do a little exercise. Try to sit down as slow as possible, but not using your hands, not, not like this. Like, try to sit down as slow as possible. How good are your knees? Look at the <laughs> Feeling your knees? <laughs> yeah, some people could do this for hours. This is excellent. <laughs> how are your knees? I don't know how your knees are. 
And uh, <clears throat> this is not the question for, for the writer here. The question is, how's your spiritual exercise? How's that doing? How, how, how is your, your trust and obey behavior? Is that working or is that, is that rather tough? How can we grow closer to the Lord? When have, when have you opened the Word of God besides Sunday morning or Sunday night or at youth group? Try to do it every... I don't know what, what your area of growth is. I got really convicted, especially since we're doing Kids Club, is memorizing scripture. Shoot, I really have a hard time with that. But those kids, they really kind of... If I tell them they have to memorize, I better do the same thing. Um, at some point, the Pharisees asking Jesus, Hey, why, why are your disciples not fasting? Oh, they will do. When did I have a lot, last time a fast? Hmm. When did I have last time uh, a, a, a prayer time? We started it again uh, Tuesday morning, 7 to 8. If you're already working and have a hard time, yeah, then just grab someone else. I don't know where the area is in your life, but I would encourage you that you grab a friend and just talk about this. What, what is the area in your life you would like to grow? Is it memorizing scripture? Is it fasting? Is it just reading God's word more often? I don't know what it is. We all like watching movies, right? There's a great movie out there. It's called Forrest Gump. When you think about the movie Forrest Gump, what's the one phrase a lot of people think about? Run, Forrest, run. Forrest, run. You see someone running and often you're like, run Forrest, run! Yep. I just watched the little scene yesterday. It's actually twice in the movie, right? When he's a little kid and then <clears throat> he's getting chased by his, well, not really friends. And then <clears throat> he has his contraptions and finally everything falls off and just takes off. And then later on again when he, he is a young man, basically same thing like 10 years later. And it just takes off. Well, for us, I mean, you can watch the movie again, that's fine. But for us, it's point like, run, Harriet, run. Cheryl, run, run. Everyone. Thank you for joining us. We hope you've been blessed by the hearing of God's word. Feel free to connect with us at www.galenabiblechurchak.com and subscribe to this podcast at iTunes or at galenamissions.podbean.com.